0: Welcome to Hacking Your ADHD, part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network. I'm your host, William Kerb, and I have ADHD. On this podcast, I dig into the tools, tactics, and best practices to help you work with your ADHD brain. Last year, there was a surge in popularity of the game Among Us. Thousands of people jumped on to be these funny little scientists running around their spaceship, running various little tasks all while trying to find out who among them didn't belong. The one who was trying to sabotage the mission. The one who was an imposter. I definitely played my fair share of the game, but I always felt like I didn't get to play the imposter nearly as much as I wanted to. Yet, in real life, far too often, I do feel like I'm playing the imposter. I'm sure that many of you can relate to that feeling, like the only reason you are where you are is that you tricked people into thinking that you belong. Maybe you think that you're not really qualified for your job. Or maybe there's someone better qualified to be in the program you're in. Or maybe you feel like your friends are just pretending to like you. This is called imposter syndrome, and it's shockingly common. I say shockingly common because when you're feeling it, it's hard to imagine anyone else feeling quite like you do. And yet about 75% of the population feels imposter syndrome to some extent. Today, we're going to be talking about imposter syndrome, what causes it, and some of the things we can do to help overcome it. If you'd like to follow along with the show notes page, you can find that at hackingyouradhd.com slash amongus. Before we get started, I also wanted to let everyone know that I'm going to be taking the next couple weeks off because here in Washington, we've reevaluated our state guidelines on schools and when we should go back for COVID. So I'm getting ready to send my kids back into some sort of hybrid school model. This, combined with the stress of everything else going on in the U.S. right now, has me struggling a bit, and so I'm just going to take some time off to prep for my kids to be in school, and also spend some time planning on how I want to move forward from here. So look for those new episodes in a couple weeks. And with that said, keep on listening to find out if you're the imposter. One of my favorite ways of thinking about imposter syndrome comes from the singer Amanda Palmer, and her idea is the fraud police. And that's the idea that we're just waiting for that knock on our door, and when we open it, the fraud police are outside. The gig is up. We've been found out, and now we have to pay the consequences. What I love about the fraud police is it illustrates how absurd imposter syndrome is, while at the same time acknowledging that it's something that we are legitimately scared of. We think, no, we know that someone is going to realize that we don't belong here. That no one gave us permission to do what we're doing. Or if they did, well, they made a serious mistake. One of the questions that we should be asking is, why do we even feel this way? In most cases of imposter syndrome, you've earned your position. You have the skills, and you shouldn't be doubting your capabilities. Singer, civil rights activist, and writer Maya Angelou shared, I have written 11 books, but each time I think, "Uh uh-oh, they're going to find out now. I've run a game on everybody, and they're going to find me out. Maya Angelou was an incredibly accomplished woman. She had won three Grammys, was awarded over 50 honorary degrees, was awarded the National Medal of Arts in 2000, and the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2010. And this isn't even close to an exhaustive list. Yet, she still suffered from the idea that, really, she wasn't all that good. That everyone was making mistake. Many times when we're feeling imposter syndrome, we believe that if we just accomplished a little more, that the feeling would go away. That if we keep quiet and we get there, that we'll be able to live up to what everyone thinks we are. In some cases, that might be true. But as we can see with Maya Angelou, sometimes that feeling persists. I'd also like to point out here that anyone can experience imposter syndrome, but to some extent, it can be worth for both women and minorities. And of course, it's also highly prevalent with those of us with ADHD. One of the ways that imposter syndrome develops is through constant critique. And this, of course, is something that we get in spades with ADHD. Kids with ADHD are estimated to receive 20,000 more negative messages on average by the time they turn 10. With that kind of criticism... It's completely understandable that many of us with ADHD develop some kind of imposter syndrome. We learn that what we do is never good enough, and we're just waiting for the other shoe to drop, because it always has before. Or at least that's how it feels. Because let's just take a moment and combine this idea with that of rejection sensitive dysphoria, which I'll note real quickly is not a formal diagnosis, nor is it included as a symptom of ADHD in the DSM-5. But it's still something that a lot of people with ADHD resonate with. And the idea with rejection-sensitive dysphoria, or RSD, is that we are more sensitive to rejection, teasing, and criticism, to the point where it can be debilitating. I'm not really going to dive into RSD in this episode because it deserves its own feature, but I think it's an important idea to combine with imposter syndrome. Because just imagine how that increased sensitivity to criticism and rejection could make imposter syndrome seem inevitable. Fortunately, there are things we can do to help cope with imposter syndrome. One of the best ways to combat imposter syndrome is to work on understanding it better. A big part of this is that imposter syndrome is just a belief, and our beliefs can change. While it might seem like our beliefs are hardwired, they can change as we work on understanding them and what motivates them. Part of the draw of imposter syndrome is that it's a defense mechanism for our brains. We can dull the pain of a future rejection by preemptively rejecting ourselves. It won't hurt as much when they call us a fraud, because we already know the truth. Of course, this is actually a pretty crappy defense mechanism. Continually hurting ourselves to prevent potential future injuries is not a great idea. And it doesn't even really work. While it might blunt that initial pain a little bit, that rejection is still going to hurt. And we'll still beat ourselves up more after the fact as well. Oh, I knew I wasn't good enough, and so on. We've also got the fact that when we're suffering from imposter syndrome, it's usually despite being completely capable of doing what we're supposed to be doing. When we're beating ourselves up because we don't deserve to be there, despite all the evidence saying that we do, that's a problem. And what about that evidence? What's making it so that we can't see our own worth when it comes to our work? Often what we do is we credit that success to something like luck. Oh, I was only at the right place at the right time. Or if better candidates had applied, I wouldn't have won. Or they made a mistake in choosing me. But this ignores the fact that you were in the right place at the right time. And that isn't for nothing. It ignores that you were the best candidate that applied. Luck absolutely plays a role in our success. There's no question about it. And that's okay. We often don't like to attribute our success to luck because it creates that idea that, well, I didn't do this by myself. But there are always factors outside of our control that will contribute to our success. I mean, take me doing this podcast. This is something that I've been able to continue to do despite there being a global pandemic going on. Because of my choice on how to produce the show, I can easily do this from home. Podcast growth definitely took a dip in the initial months of the pandemic. But once people got used to their new routines, there was another boom as people began looking for alternate forms of entertainment during their lockdowns. I certainly saw my fair share of growth over this time period, sometimes in leaps and bounds. My listenership has almost tripled since those first lockdowns in March. Of course, I could attribute everything I've done to the fact that I worked hard and that I think I've put out some pretty great content, but it's okay for me to acknowledge that there were factors outside my control that helped my podcast growth. I'm not going to say the pandemic was lucky, but it was a fortunate time for me to not only be working in a highly growing medium, but also to be able to do so from home. And here's where we often have trouble with imposter syndrome because they'd see that growth happen and rationalize that they actually had no part in that growth. Or if they did have a part, it was a small part and they didn't really deserve it. I'll admit, I have absolutely had some of those feelings. But fortunately, I'm also able to realize that, well, no. I absolutely had to put out good work for people to listen. It wouldn't matter how good a growth curve podcasts had overall if I wasn't producing something that people wanted to listen to. Luck will always play a role in everything we do. There's no way around it because we can never perfectly predict the future and what's to come, or even how something's going to play out. Worrying that you're only where you are because of luck doesn't play either. Because while luck definitely played some role as it does with everything, there is no way that it played the only, or even the primary, role. Fortunately, we're already working on one of the easiest steps for helping with imposter syndrome, and that is just acknowledging it for what it is. Just knowing that imposter syndrome is a thing, and that other people feel it too, can be incredibly helpful for dealing with it. Because often, as we're feeling imposter syndrome, it feels like something that we have to hide. That if people found out that we feel this way, then it would just be confirmation that we shouldn't be there. Knowing that other successful people have felt imposter syndrome proves that that's not true. To further work on this, when you're feeling imposter syndrome, talk to someone. Don't just bottle it up inside. Because in reality, there are two main outcomes. Either you do belong and you're feeling imposter syndrome, or that you actually are out of your depth and something needs to change. Shortly after I started learning how to drum in high school, a couple of my musician friends got asked to play with the choir for a show, and since I was playing with them, I also got asked. But it became pretty clear after our first practice that I just wasn't ready for that level of performance. I had never played with the piano, and I was just learning to read drum notations. It was a mess, and I didn't know what to do, because I was out of my depth. But I also didn't know how to get out of it. But then the choir director called me and said, maybe I should sit this one out. My reaction was, oh, thank God, I didn't want to let you down and drop out, but also, this is just way beyond me right now. In that case, I absolutely felt like an imposter, but that's because I was in over my head. I literally couldn't do the thing that was being asked of me. The best thing for me to have done there would have been to actually talk to someone about how I was feeling, and preferably, someone who could have been objective. I know my I know if I had asked my bandmate friends, they would have told me that I just needed to practice more, and that I'd get it. While I'm sure that with enough practice I would have been good enough, we just didn't have that kind of time. Oh, and to add a happy ending to that story, a few years later, I had that same choir director ask me to do the drumming for a local musical, and that was a blast to do. More often than not, when we are feeling like an imposter, it's not because we've been thrown out of our depth, but because we're trying to self-sabotage. Talking with friends and objective third parties can really help reduce the feelings of imposter syndrome. Even if we don't have someone to talk to about our imposter syndrome, we can still reflect on what's making us feel this way. It's easy for us to lose perspective and overinflate our importance, which leads us to building up our imposter syndrome. We're often the protagonist in our own stories, and we generally see things only from our point of view. This can lead us to thinking that what we do or don't do is going to make or break everything. When it comes to this podcast, me doing my job is make or break for new episodes coming out. But if I zoom out, I can get a bit better of a perspective. What if I ended up releasing an episode late? At the time, it can feel like I'm letting everyone down. But honestly, I'm not sure most people would even notice. And if they did, well, I can't imagine it would be shattering their world. And let's say tomorrow I wasn't paying attention. I stepped out into the street and got hit by a car. The podcast would absolutely have to go on hiatus while I recovered. I was actually thinking about this recently when we had fires near where I live. If my house burned down, even if I was able to save all my equipment, it still wouldn't be reasonable to expect me to continue right away. There would be other things that would be more important for me to take care of first. And you know what? That's okay. It wouldn't be the end of the world, and it wouldn't be the end of the podcast. We usually only get this kind of perspective in a crisis because it forces us to zoom out and see things how they are. We don't always have to wait for a crisis to work on seeing the big picture of things. Part of this is understanding that it's not all or nothing, that we can just do some. Like with a podcast, I have to keep in mind that I'm not always going to be producing my next best episode. Some are going to be better and some are going to be worse. In general, as I keep going, I think I'm on an upward trajectory. But it's certainly not a straight line. I have my peaks and valleys. In imposter syndrome, I think I always have to produce my best work. Otherwise, I'm not proving myself. Otherwise, I'm being the imposter. And this creates an unhealthy relationship with success where I always have to be better, where the only right answer is going above and beyond. I have to focus on what I can control and go from there. And one of the things I can work on controlling is how I feel about the situation. While ADHD can make it hard for us to always have control over our emotions, we can still take steps to make sure that we're thinking about things in healthier ways so that we can work our way out of these situations instead of compounding them. Thanks for sticking with me all the way to the end. Before you go, though, let's do a quick rundown of today's top tips. 1. Imposter syndrome is the feeling of self-doubt around your skills, talents, or accomplishments where you have the fear of being exposed as a fraud. 2. By understanding what causes imposter syndrome, you can begin to work on overcoming it. It's important to understand that it's not just you, and that even if we chalk all of our success up to luck, that we still had a hand in creating that luck. Three, talking about and reflecting on our imposter syndrome is a great way to work on overcoming it. When we bottle up those feelings, it can be hard to have real perspective on the situation. By acknowledging the feelings and working on our beliefs about all-or-nothing success, we can better work on those feelings of being an imposter. That's it. Thanks for listening. For show notes, you can go to hackingyouradhd.com/AmongUs. I'd love to hear what you thought of this episode. You can reach me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Hacking your ADHD, or you can leave me a question over at HackingYourADHD.com slash contact, and if you want, I can even try and answer that question on the air. If you'd like to support the podcast, the best thing you can do is tell a friend an episode you think they'd like. You could also leave me a rating or review on your podcast player, or you can support me directly by supporting my Patreon and getting some cool perks. Just go to HackingYourADHD.com slash Patreon. That's HackingYourADHD.com slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. The ADHD Rewired Podcast Network also has some other great shows you might want to check out. ADHD Rewired with Eric Tivers features in-depth interviews with fellow ADHDers and ADHD experts. And ADHD Essentials with Brendan Mahan also has great interviews, but has more of a family focus. So if you're a parent with ADHD or have a kid with ADHD, definitely check that one out. And as I mentioned at the start of the show, I do a live Q&A with Eric and Brendan every second Tuesday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific. If you'd like to register for the next one, just go to ADHDrewired.com slash events. And now for your moment of dad. What do you call a fake noodle? An impasta.